Well, welcome in. It's the 29th episode of the We Geeks podcast. It is episode 29. Is that it correct, certainly Howard? is, yes. That's what I thought. I'm Nathaniel Dodds, and he's Howard Pinsky. You can follow us both on Twitter. It's probably the best way to follow us for immediate um, interaction, if that's what you're looking for. I am at Tutvid. That's T-U-T-V-I-D. And Howard is at Ice Flow Studios. And I'm not going to spell that because that's a lot of letters. <laughs> it's it's spelled exactly the way it sounds. That's and you can right. also follow us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash WeGeeks, where you can follow the podcast and comment along on every single episode. And we get some pretty nice comments on our past episodes. And if you absolutely love our show, you can support us on Patreon. And every single week, we love to shout out our supporters. And this week, we have Michael. Caleb, Steve, Genevieve, Jordan, Craig, and Roberto, who actually just upped his uh, support. He went from, I think, the $1 or $3 pledge to $5. So he now has his name on our WeGeeksPodcast.com website. And give an extra shout out. All right, go Roberto. Yeah. And any of the stories that we talk about today on the podcast, you can find them over on www.tutvid.com dot com slash we geeks slash episode 29 that's number 29 so anything we talk about the links to the full stories and all of that good stuff can be found um over there Indeed. i guess we should kind of jump right into it man uh Let's we got a it. bunch of stuff force to talk friday. about yeah right exactly yeah, right. you have any idea what force friday is i'm assuming it has something to do with star wars <laughs> It, I didn't even know it was a thing until yesterday. Um, I guess today, like, which is titled Force Friday, um, a bunch of manufacturers are releasing a ton of Star Wars-related toys. And we'll actually get into one of them a little bit later on. Actually, let's let's talk a little bit, little bit about that one now. Why not? It's a local company here in Boulder, um, Sphero, which you may have seen. I've actually... Uh, promoted some of their stuff on Twitter. This is not a sponsored post or sponsored thing, by the way. It just happens to be in Boulder, and um, it's Force Friday. They released this BB-8 robotic thing that's controlled by your iPad or iPhone, or I think it's on Android. I don't know. But it's that new drone from Star Wars, this little tiny BB-8 thing. It looks very interesting, but I'm very conflicted because at one, I was hoping it would be bigger because the actual BB-8 is probably... I would I don't know maybe three four feet tall. Mm. This thing is like the size of an orange, which is yeah. very small and it's very plasticky. And if you look at the actual BB-8 in the movie, it's like metal and grungy and and this looks a little bit too clean. So I'm very conflicted, but at the same time, I don't know. I have to have it. Do you know how much they cost? One forty nine, which is a bit of a stretch for something the size of an orange, but right. you know it's a fun toy you can give your kids or. It, it is pretty cool. I mean, I, I I saw the video for it on YouTube, um, and, you know, it's it's a drone. I guess you call it a drone. It doesn't fly, though, so don't think of it as, like, a flying kind of drone. Right. Um, it, it's it's kind of neat the way, like, the physics and how it works as far as being, like, on that rotating ball that spins. Um, it's got a cool charging dock that it kind of rolls up into. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that I wish the video showed off a little bit more was exactly how it interacts with the smartphone or, you know, mobile device. I, I didn't get that. I saw that it seemed like the person was sending commands to it, um, to and from, and the, and the, the little BB-8 was actually interacting with the smartphone and therefore the person using it. But I didn't understand, like, 
is it as simple as I can program it to roll across the room? Or can I, you know, is there a camera in it? Can I see from its point of view? Um, can it send a message? Can it alert me if I get some kind of message? Is it like, is it just strictly a toy? Is there some utilitarian aspect to it where it's going to be useful for something? I couldn't tell from the trailer. So it doesn't look like there's a camera, which is, I would love for something like this to actually have a camera. That'd be kind of cool. Um, but from... The, the Sphero that I have, it's the Oli or whatever it's called, uh, it's basically on the phone, it's basically like a virtual joystick where you can move your finger and it will follow that direction. But right. it looks like this BB-8 also has kind of like a Roomba uh, mode to it where you can give it so a command it to vacuums. kind of roam the room. It, it doesn't vacuum, floor. that'd be kind of cool too. <laughs> but if you give it this command, from what I understand, it just kind of does its thing and roams the room, I guess. Mm-hmm. But that's I could be of, wrong. I don't know. A bunch of my of friends cool. bought one today, so I'll, maybe I'll ask them. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I could justify spending $150 on it. Mm. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I guess if you're... I, I'm, I'm also not a Star Wars fanatic. That's um, true. Now, here, so. here's, an, here's an interesting thing. I guess it's Hasbro is also releasing a robotic BB-8. It's not controlled by your phone or a smart device. It's controlled by a remote, remote control. Um, but it looks to be a little bit larger than the Sphero one. So there's a little bit of competition in that space. And I do have to say a quick quick side note before we move on to another story. Um, I was very happy with the transparency and honesty of this particular um, this particular toy trailer, whatever you want to call it, the video showcasing the Star Wars little droid bot thing. Um because when you watch it, you would think that it's a lot bigger. Oh, and then yes. at a certain point in the video, they have it roll across the table past like a plate of fruit or something. I think it was, they think and, they were oranges, yeah. And you you get a very I, I, I distinctly remember thinking, that's pretty that's super cool that they did that because now I can put it in perspective and I can see how big it is. Because if I spent 150 bucks and I got something the size of an orange when I thought it was the size of a bowling ball, yeah. I would have been disappointed. Oh, you very know what much, I mean? yeah. And, and there's no way I would have not been disappointed. So to see that was super cool. Some director um, who shot the video had a very good idea in doing that. So and a very nice house. Just thought, <laughs> just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, all right, so moving on to the next story. Uh, this is kind of a crazy story. I don't know if you saw this or not. Um, I saw this on Petapixel earlier this week that a, D- uh, a DJ, like a wedding DJ, took a bunch of flack from a bunch of photographers after photographing and sharing wedding photos that he was DJing. Mm. So he was there as the DJ, but he took a bunch of photos and shared them. Here's basically what happened. Carrie Fuller is a wedding photographer, and Ken Roshan uh, is a uh, is a DJ. And, the, and, and Fuller, the photographer, was working this wedding where Roshan was DJing. Well, at, at some point during the day, Fuller saw that the DJ had pulled out a, a very professional-level DSLR. I'm talking like a 5D Mark III. She has photos of it. Um, and and it, I can't tell what exactly the camera is, but it's something fair-sized. You can definitely tell it's a 70-200 lens on the front of it, though. It's the white Canon 70-200. Mm. There's no doubt about it. It's not the 400 millimeter. It's it's the 70-200 lens, and he has a full-on flash. Whether or not it's one of the cheapo flashes or a you know a, a 580EX, whatever, um, or a 680EX, whatever they are now, um, I can't tell, but... There, she has a photo of his camera, and the flash is actively going off in the photo while she's uh, taking this photo of the DJ. This is the DJ we're talking about shooting these photos. She went up to him and just said, hey, um, 
you know, basically said that, you know, I'm the photographer here, you know, and I'm, I'm the exclusive photographer. I don't know exactly what she said. I haven't found her quote of exactly what she said to him. Um, but basically the next day she saw he had posted a gallery of, I think it was about 25 images on Facebook. Um, she had, the, the, the DJ had tagged the photographer in all of them, which is a Ooh. huge no-no. Yeah, that's um, a no-no. And, you know, it was the next morning, and boom, uh, photos from the wedding were up that were not from the photographer. So the photographer emailed the DJ and said, hey, I had this, you know, agreement with the client. Would you please remove the Facebook gallery? Um, and the DJ basically, he didn't. Uh, and said, you know, I, he, he, the DJ says that he was there. He did shoot photos. Um, he shared 232 photos that he had taken from his DJ booth as a gift to the couple. The photo that the photographer has of the DJ, he's not in the DJ booth. It looks like he's out where the ceremony's going on. So why the DJ would be out there shooting photos, I have no idea why. I also don't know how you DJ a wedding while shooting over 200 photos of said wedding. Right. Um, you know, unless you're DJ master playlist or something. You know what I mean? Um, but then again, I'm not a DJ. I don't know what it takes to be a DJ. But I would imagine that pro DJs out there are honed in and tuned into their craft and they're not worried about taking photos. Um, now, Roshan points out and, and basically asks, why is it that a photographer is the one who can, a photographer is the only one that can market the event from a social media standpoint because you need images to market your event from a social media standpoint or your job, which I get. I understand that entirely. Um, a lot of people use cell phone cameras and I'm not saying you have to use a cell phone camera, but you definitely definitely should not be stepping on other people's toes and uploading photos from a wedding the morning after the wedding before the photographers uploaded them and furthermore you would never ever tag the photographer of a wedding in photos that were obviously shot with a pro level camera i mean i'm just i'm just saying i'm i'm using that distinction because with like a 70 to 200 lens you're going to get that f28 you know that that background blur that uh -huh. you know people can tell this was not just shot with a little point and shoot clickety clack snapshot camera these look like somebody was trying to shoot photos and they're not even that well done and yet you're tagging the photographer in these images a photographer's job is to capture images and any images that are associated with that wedding that look professional or have that professional look to them even if they're not shot well people are going to assume no matter what facebook page they come from you know how things get shared around on facebook somebody shares it, and someone else shares it and you don't know where it originally came from the assumption is that the photographer from the wedding shot these photos exactly. the photographer from the wedding didn't even have time to get her photos up and also you're not marketing yourself as a dj by shooting a bunch of photos from your point of view as a quote gift to the couple that's not marketing yourself on social media as a DJ. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's not you, – and, and how is that marketing yourself as a DJ when you're standing there out at the ceremony photographing the ceremony when you have nothing to do with the ceremony other than maybe setting up the PA system depending on the venue? Yeah. That's, that's not the DJ's job. No, uh, and I completely agree that there's the, – the, 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 it's just very frustrating. He definitely should not have tagged – the photographer in, right. in those That's, photos right. because That's like you said I, I've been in situations where I've been on Facebook I see a photo I click on the photo and there's someone tagged and it's a photographer so I figure like you said I jump to that conclusion that that photographer took those photos so I go check out their page blah 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 um, and if they're bad photos 
then it kind of sends the wrong message that that photographer isn't a very good photographer. Now, as for the as for the DJ actually taking these photos or taking photos at all, first of all, he should have checked with the contract. He should have checked with the people who are running the, the wedding or the event or whatever it is. Check right. with the photographer, maybe ask the photographer. And there's, there's no reason for him to be taking photos of anything except his DJ booth. I can understand if he took some photos to post on Facebook, look, this is my DJ DJ booth, this is my equipment, this is me in action, blah, blah, blah. Well, and but even, and, just to interrupt you, even yeah. if it's like you have a wide-angle lens and you photograph the dance floor when it's going crazy, that I understand that, but, I mean, 232 photos? Yeah, that's strange. That's a lot. Yeah, and what's I, I don't see the point of this. I mean, the whole excuse of it's a gift to the photo- gift to the whatever the they are, what the, yeah. the people. That's right. just weird because the, the photographer is there. So, you, what? Right, and if you're giving a free gift of photography, that don't by its very nature, well, and that by its very nature is undercutting the photographer. Yeah, because now you've set up competition at the wedding. When the photographer was under the impression that, look, I'm covering this event, you know, there, and, and again, I'm, I'm a very free market guy. I'm a very capitalistic kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I agree that if you do great work, you should have just as good a shot as anyone else at breaking into a marketplace. I think that great work should be rewarded monetarily. I'm in full agreement with that. I don't think people should have monopolies set up. That being said, as a photographer at a wedding, a lot of photographers make a ton of money not just in shooting the wedding but in selling prints and in selling albums after the fact. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So to go into this wedding and know that this – this or not even knowing that after the wedding's over, having a DJ say I've got – I've provided all these free photos for the client, you can't tell me that that doesn't affect the sales the photographer is going to get afterward. There are enough people that would say, all right. These photos are good enough and they're free. You know, it's not even a matter of like, oh, well, if you're a good enough photographer, you're going to be able to sell your photos. No, to some people, free is the best. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter how good or bad the photos are. They're going to go free. I mean, I know me personally being a photography junkie, if I knew I'm going to pay $5,000 for albums and prints or I can get stuff for free from the DJ – it's going to affect how much of that 5000 I actually spend with the photographer. It just is, plain and simple. I wish people didn't think like that, though, because I know it's super easy to say, oh, you're offering your services for free, let me do that. But just a quick personal story, when my wife and I got married about six years ago, we hired um, sort of a, a personal friend of my wife's family to be the videographer because we, we were spending a lot of money on the photographer because we wanted photos over video. But... Yeah. Um, so we, we cheaped out a little bit on the videographer because it was a personal friend, blah, blah, blah. It turns out this guy came to, I don't know if it was a guy or a woman, let's assume it was a guy. He came to the wedding with like a camcorder, a four by three camcorder, mm-hmm. shot our, no lights, no nothing, shot our whole wedding on this crappy camcorder and he gave us a disc that we couldn't even open the files because they were that old. And it's just, I mean, if you're if you're in a situation like a wedding or whatever it might be, I know it might be super easy to say, I've got a friend who will do it for like 300 bucks or even for free just to get his name out there. Don't. Please, if you're doing like a a birthday party, sure, maybe consider it. But a wedding, you're going to want to look back on this stuff five years from now 
And you might not be able to because the files will be that old and it'll be four by three. You won't be able to see anything. It'll just be a disappointment. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, but and then something like this, it's it's just like you get into it without even realizing you've gotten into it. It's all happening after the fact. You know, you wake yep. up the next morning and the photos are there and then you're like, crap, I feel like I've been totally undercut. And, you know, like the DJ doesn't read the contract that the couple signs for the photographer saying that the photographer is going to be the sole photographer at the event. I get that. But as the DJ, you should just, you know, say to the photographer, hey, look, I'm going to shoot a couple photos. Um, I hope that's cool. I'm going to be careful not to, you know, step on your toes. I'm going to work with you. Um, and, you know, just like, don't be an idiot about it. I don't know how else to describe it. Like, there has to be an understanding of this is the photographer's realm that I'm stepping into. And look, I don't have a problem when people show up with camera phones at the wedding and want to take photos. I don't have a problem when I'm posing couples and their families and everyone. And, you know, mom is standing over my shoulder literally photographing everything that I'm shooting. That's fine. I don't care. I don't care about that stuff. Um, but, you know, as like DJ, I would expect you to have the professionalism to say, look, just like I wouldn't want the photographer to show up with a boombox and start playing the music <laughs> that he gets great photos because the people do particular dances to particular songs, I would expect the photographer to just like do his work and knock it out of the ballpark. We're here working as a team. I shouldn't have to fight against the people that are on my team covering this wedding. Yeah, and here's an idea. If you're a DJ, play music. The photographer is there to take pictures. You are there as a DJ to play music. It's that simple. Yeah. Enjoy the party. Get get paid. Do your job. And don't do other people's job. Right. As they say, get money. There you go. So moving on to another story that... Another photography story that really bothered me. We do cite a lot of Petapixel articles on this show. Um, this podcast. Whatever you want to call it. But there was a Petapixel article that just... Ugh, it got on my nerves because I've seen this happen time and time again on various websites. So there is a 15-year-old tech blogger or tech reviewer or tech whatever he is. And he has a, I think he's 15 or 16. He has a YouTube channel and he reviews a bunch of tech from keyboards to mice to cameras to lenses. And he recently uploaded a video where he was showcasing a camera and a lens. And sometime in that video... He took the lens off the camera and replaced it with another lens or put that same lens. I couldn't see the video, and, and I'll tell you why I couldn't see it in a second. Mm -hmm. He Basically, he put a lens on his camera body, and apparently that was not the correct way to put a lens on a camera body, and Petapixel was not having it. So they released an article basically shaming this kid on how he placed the lens on the body saying you know you, sh you shouldn't expose the sensor to the air i don't know what it was because the video was taken down not just the video was taken down this poor 15 year old kid removed his youtube channel completely because the way the pedal petapixel article was written it wasn't like an educational video like you know here's a here's a young inexperienced kid who may not be aware of how to place a lens on a camera body? Let's let me let me tell you how you're supposed to do it. This article is basically this stupid kid doesn't know how to place a lens on a camera body. He should never be holding a camera. Blah 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 blah. So that enticed all of Petapixel's viewers, which there are a lot of, to go to this YouTube video 
and basically shame the kid so much that he closed his YouTube channel because he couldn't take the hate anymore. And I just found that article so disrespectful. And I know it's probably because I couldn't see the video. I, I'm assuming he didn't place the lens on the camera correctly, which is fine. It happens, especially if you're 15 and you've never really held a camera before. Um, there were other ways to do it, especially in a Petapixel article that should be professional. I just think the way they handled it was completely disgusting. How slow is your news day that you write an article about the way somebody incorrectly attaches a camera lens? Yeah, really. I mean, it's it's dumb. Uh, he's a 15-year-old kid. There's a way to handle a leveling criticism at a 15-year-old or an 18-year-old or somebody who's young and just trying to get into um, whatever field they're getting into. There are enough idiots on the web um, who are who are making disparaging comments for seemingly no reason. I mean, you and I have both seen it. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, I don't know. For 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 my myself, I feel like I have a thick enough skin. I don't, you know, I'll throw it back just as quickly as I as I get it. I don't care. Um, but like, you know, yeah, it's a fifteen year old kid. Like, you know, if 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 you've taken the time to watch his video. There should be some positive things that you point out. There should be, uh, in fact, I would say an overwhelming amount of positive stuff you can point out to lend support to the photographic community as one of the bigger news sites um, on photography instead of being uh, overly critical to the point where uh, you, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I personally, I don't know why you would take your whole YouTube channel down, Um but then again, I don't know. I I had never done anything like this as a 15-year-old, and I never had, you know, seemingly the world close in on me and criticize me. Um, I do, however, know that when I was 16 and I started recording tutorials, I vividly remember sitting down in my bedroom. The first time I ever recorded a tutorial, it was like a Photoshop 101 kind of thing. Um, put my headset on. I have my little microphone coming out of my, my headphones. And I was shaking. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was alone in my bedroom by myself. And I like to think of myself as a, like a, a man's man kind of thing. I'll get out and climb a friggin' mountain. You know, I'll grab a shotgun and blow some clay pigeons out of this guy. Do you know what I mean? I'm no like soft and dainty kind of dude. You know, if somebody mouths off to me, there, there have been times in this street where I've had to grab people and throw them up against walls. And, you know, I, I grew up in a neighborhood where I, I would get into physical fist fights every day. I've had the, my lights punched out and I've punched the lights out of other people. But, like, as a 16-year-old, I'm, like, trembling about thinking about uploading this video and how are people going to react to it? Am I going to get a bunch of negative comments? And I mean, still, honestly, to this day, there's times where I'll upload a video and it's like, I don't even want to go look at the stats, you mm -hmm. know, All the I don't time. even want to, I don't even want, you know, I'm not interested. I, I'd rather just go create something new. You know what I mean? Um, and I know that deep down inside, it's still, there's like still an element of, um, I hope everything was okay with it, you know? Um, and it's still something that I'm like working to get over. Um, at the end of the day, I can still read the negative comments and be like, ah, eh, whatever, I don't care. Um, but it's not. I, I guess it's still not something that I even look forward to doing. Um, even even the even when there's positive comments, it's just the idea of going and, and seeing what people thought about what you did. I would rather just do it and let it be, and I'm comfortable with it. I'm happy with it. Um, but now I'm 25 now, and I can I can think like that. I can think just all right. I'm cool with it. Um, but I think you know negativity 
in terms of like directly disparaging somebody or what they're doing, um, it, it adversely affects people who are 25, 30, 35. I mean, you hear celebrities talking about, you know, oh yeah, I saw when somebody said X, Y, or Z about me on the web or on social media. So how the heck do you think it's going to affect a 15-year-old kid who, you know, his social experience is, you know, 35 kids in his science class Monday through Friday? Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I mean, it was kind of, it was just stupid to see them do this. And it's just like, you know, nobody's interested in a photography TMZ. Do you know what I mean? We don't, exactly. as photographers and tech bloggers, we don't live interesting enough lives. We talk about technology for <laughs> crying out loud. Do you know what I mean? Just let it go. Yeah, and to so have what it, potentially several thousand uh, angry commenters or angry viewers come from Petapixel to your YouTube video and just blast you for seemingly just a simple mistakes or something you just didn't know is just the wrong way to do it. I really wish Petapixel took a different approach to that, but unfortunately they didn't. And if Petapixel didn't take the right approach to it, it would be nice to know that there's mature adults who would have criticized Petapixel right off the bat and said, look, he's 15. Do you know what I mean? I mean, can you imagine if this was a 15-year-old girl? How, How big of an outcry there'd be? Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like, people, it, it, it probably would have never gotten to the point where people would have gone to her channel and been screaming or whatever. I don't know. Like you, like you, I didn't see the video. It was all over with before I even saw it. So I don't know how egregious this lens, this lens attachment process was. You know, I can only imagine it was horrific to, this, to the point where people just had to say something about it. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. And, you know, like you know me, I'm not this kind of politically correct, you know, wah-wah kind of guy. But, you know, like – be an adult. That's all. That's all I expect. You know, yep. if if you want to be free, you got to be responsible. You know, so be responsible. Petapixel and photographers going and blasting this kid. Anyway, talking about being responsible, there was a story out of Detroit, Michigan. This guy posted this video, uh, which got like seven hundred thousand views in the first couple days, um, where basically he had this confrontation with this this father in a parking lot. He was flying his drone allegedly over this girl's soccer practice which is unacceptable um i i would agree unacceptable it's not it's it not that the guy is a pedophile i mean the father was making veiled accusations that he was a pedophile um but it turns out he wasn't even flying over uh, the girl's soccer practice he was flying his drone in a field adjacent to the girl's soccer practice um and this father you know went all you know like captain america rambo on him i mean not quite he didn't pull a gun or like beat the living daylights out of him or anything um but he was very like confrontational with him and as I'm watching the video, the guy's like, the guy, the, the, the drone pilot was being lauded as like somebody who handled the situation well. I don't think he was forceful enough, to be honest with you. Um, you know, he's like, sir, I did this, sir, I did. I'm sitting there like, you're not talking to a police officer. I'd be like, dude, get back in your car and go away. Like, who do you think you are? You know what I mean? I'm flying my drone. I'm not creeping on your daughter or anyone else. If you know how these wide-angle cameras work on these cameras, I would have to be literally 10 feet above the practice field before I could even identify who any of the girls were, let alone any kind of pedophilia-type anything going on with that. It was a very bizarre story, and if you watch the video... I don't know. I got the distinct feeling, and not to throw accusations back where they don't belong. But if it's if the first thing that's on your mind is pedophilia, when you see a drone being flown within a hundred yards of your kids, 
Oh, I don't know. I'm just saying that just seems a little shady. I'm not going to go any further than that. It just seems shady. <laughs> oh, and I also should point out, um, if this guy was just a parent or not even a parent, if he had just walked up to the sideline of girls' soccer practice with a big DSLR and like a monopod, people would have just totally assumed, fine. right, people would have assumed he was a parent. And that's when he could have gotten photos of who knows what. So, mm-hmm. like, this just seems like an instance of, like, this drone paranoia that we've been hearing about. You know, a guy, you know, throwing his fishing rod up at the drone and pulling it out of the sky. Um, you know, people, you know, we've talked about the shotgun shells and, you know, low anti-drone uh, interception systems and stuff like that. Um, and it's one thing if a drone comes over your fence and over the trees that you have fencing in your uh, outdoor pool and you've got a bunch of college-age daughters or something who are out there. I, I get that, but flying a drone in a public park in a field adjacent to a field that happens to have a girls' soccer practice going on, get a life. Yeah, and I totally agree with you when, uh, you know, if, if he was flying it directly over top of the soccer field where the girls were playing, totally agree that that's, that's a no-no. You probably don't do that for various reasons, but this guy was flying it like you said, adjacent, an adjacent field from the soccer field. And in order for him to see anything on that soccer field, he would basically have to have a 70 to 200 style lens on his drone, which the drone in no way has the capacity of holding up a lens like that. So, I mean, just chill. I know drones are a weird subject right now because they're under scrutiny for spying and people don't know exactly what they are especially the older generation they see these things of course they think that you know the government or people are spying or uh who knows what people can do with these drones but it just seemed weird that the guy was jumping to all these conclusions and just like you i'm not going to really get into what else could be going on but it just seemed very strange that this guy was all up in this guy's face for something he wasn't even doing Mm-hmm. anywhere near the soccer game. Yeah, and I think it, it should be noted, I don't know if I mentioned it before, but the guy posted the GPS logs from his drone. Right. And the, like it maps the entire course of the flight, and it, he doesn't even make a line toward the soccer field. He's obviously flying like loops in the field next to the soccer field. Um, you'd have to see it. it. It's just ridiculous. And I think um, there, there are much better ways of approaching it. It's like you can have a conversation with the guy and just right. ask what he's doing. You know, I'm really interested in your drone. Can I see the footage? You know, there's there are so many ways of approaching this other than getting in this guy's face and basically calling him a pedophile, which right. brings up a lot more questions. Again, we're not going to get into that. Right. Uh, so another kind of cool story, and I'm hoping Nikon reaches out to this guy and gives him some serious free gear and some kind of something. This guy ran a 10K, which I think that's, what's a 10K, like 6.1 miles or something? I don't know. I could go to something Google like and that. look it up. Um, I could ask Siri. Um, but he ran this 10K. It was a mud run, though. So, you know, you're running through, you know, essentially murky dirty water the entire stinking time and obstacle course it it was a mud obstacle course run so it was just a mess that's a good way to think about it a mess with rope ladders that's kind of it he did this run however while holding his nikon d750 with a tamron 2470 nikon d750 is vaunted for having weatherproof casing for a uh, a it's a full-frame camera. I think it's only like fourteen or sixteen hundred bucks. It's a great mm-hmm. camera. Uh, I have a, a buddy of mine here in Philly who has one and uses it and loves it. Uh, where the Tamron twenty-four seventy, however, is just water-resistant um, or moisture-resistant, whatever they call it. 
the camera and the lens took an absolute beating. I mean, they look like he put them into like a big canvas bag with rocks and dirt and mud and just shook it up for about an hour. That's what it looks like. He said he brought the camera home. He obviously got images. He got some pretty cool images, maybe a tad over-processed for my liking, but whatever. Um, got some really cool images, and the camera and the lens still work great. Clean That's incredible. Up. He said the the lens, there was like some grinding, a very little bit of grinding, um, but he said he used it, cleaned it out, and tack sharp, works great, just like it did before. <laughs> I'm looking at these photos right now, and this camera, I mean, it, this isn't just like a little bit of dirt on a camera. This is like, the camera is full of dirt and mud, and it's just, it looks like something you'd pull out of an ocean after three months and it just wouldn't work anymore. But the camera works perfectly fine. And like you said, I hope Nikon reaches out to this guy because for a lot of photographers, I mean, many photographers aren't buying cameras specifically for, to run in the mud, but there are a lot of photographers who look at durability and waterproof and things like that as their main focal point when buying a camera. And right. um, being able to see a video like this, and if Nikon can promote this as a marketing campaign right that could sell a lot of cameras especially yeah, with sony now coming into the into the market with their fancy cameras that everyone's buying this could be something that nikon could very easily use and it's not something they have to go out and create they just throw a bunch of money at the guy ask them can we use this to market our camera boom done right and for nikon um a ton of landscape photographers are already interested in those cameras because of the insanely high resolutions mm -hmm. and the sharpness and just the fidelity and dynamic range that a Nikon is getting over something like a Canon. So if I know I'm taking this out in the field, I'm hiking 10 miles before I even set my tripod to get a shot. Hey, if I have something that's incredibly water resistant and mud resistant and everything resistant, you know, if it can handle that, it can handle, you know, my little trek through, you know, the backwoods of Yellowstone. <laughs> Definitely. So, moving on. Kind of a sad story, but uh, you're, you almost, you're like, for this kind of story, you're, sa you, you <laughs> say you're sad because you're obligated to say you're sad. Yeah, but at um, the same time, you're like, uh, Right, the process of natural an selection has done its work kind of thing. Yeah. Um, a 19-year-old Houston man is dead today after attempting to pose while putting a gun to his head for a selfie. Not a smart thing to do. The gun <sighs> discharged, and somehow he ended up shooting himself in the throat and later died. 19 years old, he leaves behind two young children, and he was preparing to begin college uh, just this week. Uh, his family has told the police that, that he, quote, found the gun somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, exactly where he found the gun, I don't know, but I guess the police, the authorities, are looking into that um, as we speak. Uh, I mean, I don't know, like, what can you even say? You don't, I, you don't, you don't even put your finger on the trigger of a gun unless you're ready to shoot it. And yeah. you certainly don't point it at yourself or anyone else, even if you know the gun is unloaded. I yeah, have a friend who yeah. knew that he, he, he collects machine guns, right? Well, I can't really call him a friend. He used to be a family friend who collects machine guns. He has a Thompson submachine gun, which is like a World War II submachine gun. He knew it was empty. They were at a shooting range, actually my dad was with him. He laid it down on a table, knowing that it was empty, and I guess it had some rounds left in it, and the thing just went off. 
and shot a bunch of bullets into the walls, like one of these indoor shooting ranges. Shot a bunch of bullets into the wall. Now, thankfully, he didn't have it like pointed at the backs of the people who were in front of these tables shooting. Proper protocol had pointed it where it was supposed to be pointed. It discharged. Nobody was hurt. This is an instant. This is a guy who has used these things all the time. You know, this isn't a 19-year-old kid playing with something that he had just found the day before. Guns are not toys. No. And you certainly shouldn't be pointing them at yourself. I mean, you certainly should not be pointing them at yourself. That's so stupid. Nobody wants to see your selfie with you posting a gun at yourself. And again, this is this is a sad story because the guy lost his life. But I mean, and leaves uh, two kids behind who are and now. Leaves, I mean, yeah, so I feel really like? bad for his kids, his significant other. If one is in the picture, I don't know the story behind that. But I mean, if you, first of all, if you find a gun. I don't know where you would find a gun, but let's assume you just found a gun. One, don't post a picture. Don't don't post a selfie. You wouldn't who do knows? a selfie with the gun you found on the street, Howard? Is that what you're telling no, me? No, I would go to the police station and turn it in because who knows if that gun was stolen, if it's part of a crime. Who You don't want to be in possession of this gun but, for whatever but, reason but when if you, you find have the one. opportunity to put the gun to your head and take a selfie, my question is, sir, how can you resist that? <laughs> I would resist it because... One, I don't know how to use a gun. Um, <laughs> two, even if I took the magazine out and I emptied all the bullets, there's still the possibility that one of them is still loaded in the cartridge. I think that's the proper terminology. I don't Chamber. know much about guns. Yeah. Chamber. Um, so, I mean, don't be stupid. I know it's sad. I know people are going to probably go off on us that we're, we're talking about this kid who died after you know a tragic, horrific accident. But don't be stupid. Right. That's all I, I have like to I say. Like I said, I feel like it's natural selection has uh, taken its course. <laughs> uh, moving on from that, have you seen these new Sony – totally changing the subject. These new Sony Xperia Z5 phones. I it's, did I th- see it. I think it's, it's called crazy. the Z5, Z5 Premium. I think Crazy in a strange called. way. Yeah. So can you do you, you have the specs there? You want to give a read read down of some Yeah, of the I did see this. Um Sony has released a bunch of cameras. Sorry, not a bunch of cameras. They have released cameras, but that's not what we're talking about. They've released a bunch of phones in the past which have looked kind of interesting, but not enough for me to say maybe I'll test one out. Mm-hmm. Um but these new Xperia Z5s look interesting enough that I'd be interested. And here's why. It has a 23 megapixel camera, which is, eh, it's, it, you know, megap- megapixels don't really matter too much. It's got an f2 aperture, which is nice. It'll give you that nice shallow depth of field. Great. Fast autofocus, also great. A lot of cameras have that. But here's the thing that separates this phone from the majority of other phones. It has a 4K display. That's 4,000. A lot of phones now have either 1080 or 2.5K, but no, no phones have 4K. My TVs don't even have 4K. So you're probably your, asking yourself... Your monitor yourself, has 4K, though. My monitor does have 4K, and I'm looking to get a 4K TV, but at the moment, I don't see a need for any of that stuff. So the question that you're asking yourself right now, and the question I asked myself, and the question that you asked yourself, Nathaniel, is why the heck... Do I need a phone, a little five-inch display with 4K resolution? And it's a very valid question. And it wasn't a question I was able to answer until I read a bunch of articles and I started thinking, thinking about it, is that with the Chromecast supporting 4K and some of our 4K TVs, 4K monitors supporting 4K input, 
you're able to take this phone, whether it's whether you're streaming Netflix or Hulu or video you may have shot on a 4K device, and you're able to stream or display that 4K content in full resolution on 4K monitors and televisions. And all of a sudden, that starts to make sense. Now, of course, content-wise, there isn't much 4K content. I don't know if this this phone shoots 4K video. I don't think it does. Yeah, I haven't seen anything that says it does. No, but there are some, you know, Netflix does support 4K. I don't know if they support it on smartphones. I would imagine they would. Well, and there's, um, there's not much 4K yet, but it's definitely moving forward. I mean, if you buy this phone now and you have it for two years, in two years, who knows, right? Right. And like, I, like I've mentioned to you, with my TV, I, I, I don't want, like, I don't even have a cable link. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't. I, I would never use it. I'm not going to pay for it. Um, I use my TV. I Chromecast my either Google Chrome if I've got something on my computer that I'm watching or from the laptop. But mainly it's YouTube, Netflix. Uh, that's about it. YouTube or Netflix yep, being much. Chromecast from my phone. I'm sitting yep. on the couch. The phone is like the TV controller. Like that's what it is. That, that that's 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 how I use my television. So to have something that can send the 4K signal again, looking forward, like you said, we're, we're we'd have to envision a world where we all have 4K screens and it's something we can actually use. That's where I see something that has the ability to to project this 4K signal as being very useful because I don't know. It doesn't seem like and, and of the reviews that I've read of it, people have said you you know the difference is negligible between this and just a straight 1080p screen. And how does that affect battery life? I don't know. I know Sony's oh, I'm pretty sure good it's with battery drain life. Crazy. Yeah. Right, but I think Sony is pretty good with battery life in general, at least so I've heard. Um, so I don't know. It, it's I think it's an interesting phone. I don't know if it's enough for me to switch to it, but I would hope that the new iPhone 6S, right, is that what it's going to be called, mm-hmm. would have something that could compete i don't know if it's going to feed uh, a 4k signal but i have heard or was it you that told me that there's they're rumored to shoot 4k yeah so here's an interesting thing and something that bothers me so the next iphone which is going to be announced next wednesday so in like six days from or five days from now it's very close it's rumored to be the iphone 6s and the 6s plus i would assume and According to the recent rumors, which seem pretty credible because they're coming from 9to5Mac, who I honestly think have very close inside sources. But anyways, um, it's rumored that the next iPhone's camera is going to have, I think, maybe 12 megapixels or something like that. A little bit more megapixels, which who cares? But it's also going to shoot 4K video, which is really exciting as long as the sensor is up to par. But here's the thing that kind of bothers me. At the same time, Apple is rumored to release the next-generation Apple TV, which apparently, according to the rumors, again, these are only rumors, will not support 4K video, which kind of conf... What? Right. If, you're, if you're releasing a phone that sh- shoots 4K video, why are you not releasing an Apple TV that supports 4K playback? That doesn't make any sense. Now, they are... Rumored to also release new IMAX, 21-inch IMAX that support, or with a 4K screen, which yeah, is nice. That. Hopefully, yep. they also release 4K displays that are st- that don't have a computer in them. But, I mean, it doesn't make... The, the decisions that Apple has been making lately 
have been bothering me because, you know, again, if you release a 4K phone or at least a phone that records 4K video, you want to be able to play it back. Right. And the Apple TV is supposed to work perfectly in harmony with your iPhone and your other devices, your Apple devices. So, uh, how does that make sense? Yeah, I don't know. And I, I, I know what you're saying. I saw also the rumors about the 4K screen on the 21 and a half inch iMac. Mm-hmm. which would seem to imply that virtually every iMac that's sold from then on out, and we're talking as soon as October of this year, so what, a month and a half away from right this moment, um, everyone's going to have a 4K display who buys an Possible. iMac, and, and the I, if, if it does in fact happen, right? Um, and the iMac is a pretty widely sold computer, so a lot of people are going to have 4K capability. So why you wouldn't begin baking that in right now, I'm not really sure, and especially with the phone, uh, that's going to shoot 4K footage. And I hope, by the way, that it's not like GoPro. You remember when GoPro, the old GoPro Hero Black or whatever, shot 4K, but it was like 10 frames per second. So it didn't really shoot 4K. Right. You know what I mean? Like my digital, my, my DSLR shoots 4K as well, um, but it only shoots one frame every time I press the shutter button. <laughs> you know, that's not shooting 4K. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I I'm it, hoping it records at least 24 or 30 frames per second, and it's somewhat decent in low light. I can't imagine Apple would release a phone that records 4K that's very limited. I think the Galaxy Note uh, 4, maybe, had 4K capabilities in one of the versions, but it wasn't great. But they just threw it in there to market, oh, look. Ours records 4K. I hope it's not the case because I would love to be able to use this thing for real life situations and record 4K and include it in my videos or whatever. Yeah, I mean, the, and the iPhone is good enough that you know if you're a vlogger, um, you can use, you can pretty much use the newest iPhone to shoot you know video of yourself throughout the day, patched together into a video, um, and have something that's presentable. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you want to work on the the audio capture system a little bit. It's not as bad as it used to be, but it's still not amazing. Um, but I know, for instance, for like photo shoot stuff, I try to put together little behind the scenes videos for like a monthly newsletter I'll send out to past and previous clients uh, of my photography business. And I like to include little behind the scenes videos. And I'm not hiring a film crew to be around me. A lot of it is like selfie style, you know, iPhone video or video showing what I'm shooting and working on. And it, it works great. Yeah, and I also hope they improve the front-facing camera a little bit because oh, I need yeah. those 4K yeah. selfies. Yeah, well, who doesn't? <laughs> who doesn't? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so SkillFeed um, is a site. I mean, maybe you'll, you'll probably be better fitted to explain what SkillFeed is. Um, but the site SkillFeed that basically provided tutorials, I'll let Howard explain more deeply what it is, they're closing down. They're, they basically sent a letter out to all of their content providers. I got an email a few days ago, basically said, hey, we just want to let you know at the end, like September 30th or something, the site's shut its doors. Any content you have on our server will be deleted. It's going to be gone forever. Um, just kind of letting you know we were here today, gone tomorrow. And it was funny because I, like, I have a, a couple sites on Squarespace as well. And Squarespace has this little pop-up saying, hey, we've got full courses on how to use Squarespace on SkillFeed. Hmm. Just last night when I logged into my photography site, in fact, and was working on some blogging stuff, I saw the notification come through, um, and it was as if SkillFeed's not going anywhere. Um, but I'd already gotten the email from SkillFeed saying they were shutting down. Um, what do you think about it, Howard? And, well, I mean, first of all, could you explain to the good people what SkillFeed is? Yeah, I was I was kind of sad 
when I got the email, but also not surprised. So if you're not familiar with SkillFeed, it's basically, I'm sure you're familiar with Lynda, lynda.com, which has a ton of courses and a ton of videos that you can pay a monthly fee. It's like $20 a month and you have access to all of this content. Well, SkillFeed is very similar to that where you pay a monthly fee and you have access to content. You have access, you can learn Photoshop and After Effects and Microsoft Word. Whatever you want to learn, you can learn it there. Um, and it's, But it's a little bit more open than Linda is. I was one of the first people to jump on SkillFeed. They actually contacted me before they were even uh, launching the product and they want to work very closely closely with me to get this product off the ground or get this website off the ground so it's a little bit sad to see that they're shutting down but at the same time it's also not surprising because you're competing with a company like lynda.com who not only offers probably just as many videos but they're much higher quality videos and kind of like the app store or the apple app store it's very controlled so whereas like the uh, the Android marketplace, it's basically flooded. Well, then again, app, the app store is kind of flooded as well. So maybe that's a bad analogy. But when you go to Linda, you're, you know you're going to get quality content. Whereas SkillFeed, it's kind of hit and miss. Even though they do review content, anybody can upload content there. And, you know, it's behind a paywall. And I think because it's so like centered around independent people like you or I submitting mm -hmm. content, you don't really know what you're going to get. There's no continuity. Do you know what I mean? Even even if like there's on-screen graphics and overlays, like lynda.com, it's the same. You know yep. what I mean? You go from one to the next to the next to the next to the next, and it's the same. Skill feed, mm, not so much. In fact, not at all. Not at all. Um, so yeah, like you said, a little sad to go, but... On the topic, Howard, you have a link for people to go sign up to lynda.com. Isn't that correct? If they were, I do. Yeah. If you guys in... want to check out lynda.com, maybe you are a SkillFeed subscriber and you're maybe you're very sad that it's shutting down. Um, if you go to lynda.com slash Howard, H-O-W-A-R-D, you can uh, sign up for 10 days. You can basically learn as much as you want completely free. And then if you do, do decide to um, stay on Lynda and continue learning, which most people do because, like I said, with SkillFeed, you can learn pretty much anything. And there's thousands of videos from some of the world's best instructors. Some of them I know very personally. Um, it's, a, it's a fantastic service that I've been using for years. And it's something I definitely, I don't advertise just anybody. Um, it, it's a great service. So lynda.com slash Howard, you get 10 days completely free. And you're not obligated to continue paying for it. But, you know, check it out. See what you think. Yeah, and if you sign up, you support Howard and his site, and that supports this, so it's cool. Yeah, it supports uh, did everybody. You, did you see the story about the Tokyo Olympic logo um, allegedly being plagiarized, and then the at first the Olympic Committee denied it, but then they just came out and ditched the whole, like just got rid of the whole logo altogether? I did see this. It's been an interesting week for logos. First <laughs> of all, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the... Uh, Tokyo Olympic logo to begin with. No. But the fact that it was, I mean, I'm looking at the the before, I mean, not the before and after, but the, the Tokyo logo and the other logo, Theater yeah. de something French. Um, I mean, they're very similar, too mm -hmm. similar. And even the typeface, if you look at typeface, is even the same. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's strange. I mean, they're, 
the basically the the Japan Olympic logo has what a couple colors thrown into it, right? Um, and that's pretty. And there's no circle around it. Well, but they took this, the circle and put it on the side. <laughs> oh yeah, right, exactly. Um, but the sizing is exactly the same. the The relation of one thing to the next, exact the shape is exactly the same. And the the theater de French, whatever. Um, that logo is not horrific. Simple, clean. No, it's not bad. Not as clean as I would like, maybe, but not mm-hmm. bad. Whereas the Japanese, the 2020 Olympic logo, terrible. Mm-hmm. It was hideous. So I'm glad they scrapped it on, on that account alone. Um, but yeah, basically, people began to notice that it looked a lot like this Belgian designer's logo. Um, and at first, like I said, the, the Japanese Olympic Committee denied it. They stood behind it. Um, but then it was made pretty clear that the, the logo, the Olympic logo designer, this guy, Kenjiro Sano, had actually copied graphics and logos for other clients. Oh, no. Um, Must have used Fiverr. Right, that he and his firm had found online. Um, and at that point, the Japanese Olympic Committee, I guess, just said, burn it to the ground. So there's no word on the new logo, who's going to design it. But I think... Um, there's a deadline for submitting like your branding package and everything for the uh, Olympics. And I know we're four and a half years out from the 2020 Olympics, but um, it looks like it's something they're going to have to get on and start from kind of square one all over again. Well, maybe they can do what Verizon did and just type out the word Tokyo and put a, put the circle beside the word Tokyo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you, you know seen? What? It would be the- kind of clean and not bad looking. It might work. I don't know. Maybe I'll pitch that to them. But speaking of logos and a terrible week for logo design, I mean, it's sort of a terrible week. We have we've had Google and we've had Verizon both release brand new. Lo- uh, I don't know if I'll use the word brand new. Revised versions, adjusted, yeah, right. adjusted versions <laughs> of their logos. Now the Google one. I don't mind so much because it's still kind of Google. It still has the colors. The typeface is a little bit bolder, a little bit cleaner, and the E is chilling back. It's like relaxing a little bit. It's on, a, on an angle, which yeah, kind of looks like some other logos, but who cares? It's, it's, it's pretty round. It's a little rounder than it was before. Um, yeah. Which, There's which no more makes, serif. Right, which makes it feel like, I don't know, more like kindergarten, more juvenile maybe. Looks like Jimbery. Uh, yeah right not not quite that bad but right no i know what you're saying it's heading in that direction which i don't it's not i mean it's not bad the reason that i give it the benefit of the doubt is already like the icons and everything like that um i think look a lot better just like the the Mm -hmm. circle with uh, the circle excuse me with the g in it um i think that looks better it certainly looks like google plus has updated all their stuff um and as bad as google plus itself is (laughs) the little logo with like the rounded square with the you know lowercase serif G with a thin plus, it just wasn't working, and certainly on a very tiny icon, it just didn't translate. Um, whereas this G definitely does. It's going to take some time to get used to. It reminds me when Walmart changed their logo, where they went from like the Walmart with the star in the middle to now it's like that sunburst thing. Um, mm. Same kind of thing, where I was kind of like, eh, it's kind of rounded. Uh, but eventually you get used to it. And I feel like with Google, it's going to be the same exact thing where we're just going to get used to it because we use it every day. We see the Google logo every stinking day. Um, and I think we'll just kind of get used to it. So Google yeah, logo is not too bad. Yeah, I don't mind it. I mean, I'm on Google's uh, search engine right now and it doesn't bother me. It's not one of those logos that I go in there, Ugh, what, what is that? It's, you know, it works, I at least for me. Yeah, whereas what, the, Ver, the, yeah, the Verizon logo. Yeah, this one, 
is, I mean, if you're not familiar with the old Verizon logo, it the Z in Verizon was red and it had like a swoosh that kind of went to the end of the logo. And it had, um, wh- where was the check mark? Was on top, I think. Verizon I don't even know. Logo. Or, let me, let there, me look this was, up. No, I think it was. Oh, yeah, it was. It was, yeah, it was, it it was kind, kind of, of like, like on angled. top of the logo and it was yeah. throughout the whole uh, thing. But what they've yeah. done now is they've basically written out the word Verizon in all black and they put like this little tiny check mark beside the N, the the final N in Verizon that looks like something you would just like open Photoshop, go into your custom shape tool, grab the little check mark and done. Yeah. It's very it, strange and it's not even like a, I understand they're going for like a minimalistic look and very simplistic but it's not done well. No, I agree. I, the first thing I thought when I saw it was the word Verizon with like an emoji at the end. Yeah. That's that's almost exactly what it reminded me of. So I don't know. I mean, will it be like the gap where they say, you know what, we're going back to the old logo. The old logo is nothing to write home about either, though. I mean, that was pretty abysmal as well. Yeah. So, uh, they need a new branding and design team. I think that's it what it comes It always baffles to. me when multi-potentially billion-dollar companies come out with these new logos that look like they were designed by 17-year-olds. I think the problem is... So many of these companies and so many designers get caught up designing for current fads instead of finding something deeper, finding something that connects the logo to the company and follows very basic principles of logo design like simplicity, symmetry, and like shape and some color, I guess. But still, a logo should be able to work with absolutely no color. I get it. So I mean, just look at Verizon's old logo. It just screamed mid to late 90s going mm-hmm. into the early 2000s to you. Do you know what I'm saying? And you can look around at so many logos that are like that where they're designed for today, whereas I think a logo should be designed for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You, know, you look at the classic logos, logos that have stuck. Lo- not only are they simple and clean and symmetric, well, I guess not really symmetric, have good balance, I should say. They have good balance. You think of the Nike swoosh. You think of Coca-Cola. You think of logos like that. They don't change. They don't have this, you know... I mean, I mean, look, Verizon had a logo that had depth and gradient in it when that was popular, and now they're going to a logo that's flat and solid colored when that's popular. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is... Like, they're making the same mistake all over again, you know, because the mistake is not bad design. The mistake is contemporary design. You know what I mean, yeah. and 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 you can't like you can't do that with a logo. You can't. No, and PayPal I think actually tried that a while ago. And when PayPal released their their revised logo, it was like two overlapping P's, and it was kind of like their old logo, but a little bit more. They had some more shadows, I think, and they, they added a few things. And it was very strange at first, but I've slowly mm. gotten used to it. It, but it's still not – I don't know. It's still – I well, think they current, overthought it. Right. But And their current logo at least though, it, it can kind of stand on its own because it doesn't right. have all that kind of gradient junk going on like they had had. Um, I'm talking about their full logo. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Where it's just like flat, solid colors and shapes. Right. I at least feel like they're heading in a good direction. Um, like you, I think that yeah, there's a, it's maybe a little too too much going on, too much overthought, if you will. Um, but I mean, with that logo design, they I mean, talk about bad design. Their UI was stuck in 1998, no joke, until about six or seven months ago when yep. they overhauled everything. I don't know what mm-hmm. happened to them, but I know I know that it looks like 
eBay released them as a company or something. Like they're still affiliated with eBay, but it's not the same like overarching control that eBay had. Yeah. I mean, just as an example, I I have this a monthly subscription list where I mail out little booklets that I print every month to a a group of people, and I use PayPal's multi-order shipping. It's it's absolutely horrific. But there's nothing else that I can find that's like that that connects to my PayPal account and allows me to print multiple shipping labels all at the same time through my little Dymo label printer. There's nothing else that I can find like it. I can pay for my postage and print the labels, boom, right there, take the post office, drop it off. The the interface for that is still horrendous despite the fact that PayPal has updated the rest of their uh, interface. Well, but. sort of. I mean, when when you whenever you update things, usually things get lost. And I've been fighting with PayPal for the last three weeks, so I have their PayPal Smart Connect. Um, it's basically like a line of credit through PayPal because I have a business account with them. And it used to be where I log into PayPal, I'm taken to my business page summary, which shows my transactions, the available money in my account, blah, blah, blah. And within that money box, there was a link so I can go to my PayPal Smart Connect where I can see my balance, make a payment, statements, so on and so forth. When they redesigned their dashboard, that's gone. So I have to go up to the top to my profile click on profile and settings, then click on my money on the left, then click on smart connect, and then I can make a payment, which is so backwards. And when you're dealing with something where you have to make monthly payments, you don't wanna hide something like that. And I've been fighting with them for weeks. I was on Twitter the other day talking with their quote unquote tech support, and they're basically sending me links, like the direct link to that process that I just went through to find they're the smart connect. spam links. Basically, and it's like, uh, it's like I shouldn't have to go through all these steps to b- mm-hmm. see my statements and make right. a payment. Well, and for the PayPal money uh, multi-order shipper, uh, th- you can't even get to the one that works. You have to go. You, I have to go into my URL bar and type in PayPal.com. After I log in, go to so I log into PayPal, then go up to the URL bar and type in PayPal.com forward slash mos. Oh, no. That's exactly what I have to do. There's no other way to get to it. You Google search it, it comes up, but that's one that's broken and has all kinds of XML issues. It's so funky. And and actually, to the PayPal point, there are areas of PayPal where you're like in the modern interface, and then you click mm-hmm. a button, and you jump right back to the old interface. Yep, that's you know? the same thing with Smart Connect. Once right. I actually get to that point, it's the old interface. So I'm, I'm assuming they, they're trying to update that interface, and then they're going to bring it back to the dashboard, but you don't do that. Yeah, it's it, it does. It seems like they built the whole PayPal system, and as it's expanded, they haven't expanded it in a truly modular way. So yep. when they're trying to make updates, it's almost like they have to rebuild bits of the system as they go. And when you're dealing with tens of millions of account holders, I'm sure that that is an insanely ridiculous task. But speaking of PayPal, <laughs> PayPal.me is a new thing that just came out with PayPal, which allows people to pay you quickly. I already set one up for me. Um, and basically, it, it gives you a PayPal URL, and correct me if I'm wrong here, I still haven't actually used it, um, but I did set up my URL and set up like the little storefronty landing page or whatever, but it's basically a landing page, paypal.me slash some username that you want. So like it could be paypal.me slash Howard, or paypal.me slash, you know, Pennsylvania, or whatever you want. Um, and so if somebody wants to pay you something, you can send them to this paypal.me slash my business name or my name, and they can go there and make a payment. Um, still haven't sent anybody there, haven't checked out anyone else's payment page, so I'm not exactly sure what advantages are there over like invoicing somebody through PayPal. 
Um, but apparently, what PayPal's saying is that it's a brand new way to accept payment and it directs people to a page where, the, where you can gather money from them and have them pay for a service that you've offered them. That's about yeah, all I know about it. Yeah, and I'm actually on PayPal.me right now. I, I did set up an account there. And when you go to the, it's a very simple, very clean page, which is really cool. And on my case, you know, you go to the, you go to my thing, my URL, and it, I can put in a little bit about my business, which I don't really have right now. I haven't set that part up. But you enter how much money you want to send. You click next. You're taken to a PayPal login, and you basically pay the person. So it could be used for a lot of different things. I can see people using this for donations, even though PayPal is very iffy on the whole donation thing. They allow people to send donations, but you can't use the word donation unless it's a nonprofit organization. So right. you can use like tip or contribute or gift, gift things like that. Um, but for business, it also works as well. If you If you're paying for, but I don't see like how the invoice thing works. Like if I'm uh, let's say I'm selling a certain product. It doesn't really allow me to customize that landing page. So mm -hmm. it, there, there are opportunities there that they can improve. But if you're looking for something very simple, like you're talking over email with somebody and you come to agreement on a contract, you just send that page and say, you know, pay me $25 and that'll be that. I want to know what the advantage over something like Square Cash is. Square Cash I think is it's the so same stuff. easy. And so fast. And Square has a card swiper, so you can take credit cards right there um, and all of that. The only thing I can think is that the advantages for people who primarily use PayPal, this is connected to your PayPal account. You know, and, and yeah, like you said, it's a way that you could have a link to your PayPal account for people who like visit your website or something to go and send you money. Because right. yes, outside of that, you sort of have to either put your PayPal email address up for public people to see or for people in the public to see or invoice everybody that wants to pay. Mm -hmm. so, so it seems like a nice, nice solution, which I think could be improved over time, but very similar to Square Cash, it's a very quick, simple way to send people money, which right. is nice. And actually, I just, just thinking, I just got an idea because we're selling, we're selling t-shirts, um, you know, from my nephew that has the, the brain cancer, had mm -hmm. brain cancer, he's currently fighting it still. Um, and right now I know my sister is handling selling them and the way that it works currently is somebody sends them a message on Facebook saying, hey, I want a shirt and they reply by saying, hey, send me your physical address and your email address. Once they have the email address, they send them a PayPal invoice and then they can mail the shirt – after they pay, then they mail the shirt out. Whereas something like PayPal.me, I'm going to have to talk to them about that. I mean, I'll go, to, go and talk to them about it today actually now that I'm thinking about it. We could set it up so they could set up PayPal.me. And I wonder if you can set it up to collect a physical mailing address because you could collect everything right there and just when somebody wants to buy a shirt, say, all right, hey, go here. Tell us what sizes you want. Fill in your address. And boom. Yeah, usually when you send the payment, doesn't I don't, I don't think it matters how you get to that payment page. Right. When you send a payment, you're given the option to include an address or not. And usually there's a box that you can add notes. Right. So I would assume I, you just tell the person, you know, enter $25 or $15, whatever it might be. When you get to the page, make sure your address is up to date and put in the notes what size shirt you want. Yeah, yeah, and I got, yeah, but I'm, I'm thinking too, I wonder if there's multiple shirts, you know, then they're going to have to do the math on adding mm. up for different size shirts. I don't know if it would work. I don't know. Something interesting to look at at least. So Yeah. I guess it's time for winners and losers of the week before it we wrap, sure this, wrap this thing up. 
Do you want to kick it off or show yeah, off? Sure. Do you want me to kick it off? Yeah, yeah, you can go ahead and kick it off. I got to pull mine up. I forgot to print mine out, so I got to go hunt my down. My All list. right. I lost my loser of the week or I lost my winner of the week. I'll find it eventually. Um, so my, my loser of the week, this is going to get a little bit controversial and I'm sure you know what's coming. Oh, um, hit me with it. <laughs> Kim Davis, our lovely clerk in Kentucky. Um, she is, um, I'm going to try and not get political with this because we both have very different views on same-sex marriage. So I'm not gonna, we're not going to get into that. But she, is refu- she has been refusing to issue marriage licenses to same-sex couples because it's against her religious beliefs, which, by the way, I completely respect people and their religious beliefs. But my prob- I have a few problems with her. Number one, she works for the government. And when you're a government worker, you're required to follow the law. Again, I respect people's religious beliefs, but you have to follow, you're doing your job, you have to follow the law. The second thing that bothers me about Kim Davis is she's been continuously promoting the fact that she believes in traditional marriage, which again, I respect, but we've now found out she's been married and divorced three times and has had several kids out of wedlock, which goes against everything she's been promoting over the last several weeks, several months, whatever it might be. I, I just feel, I know this is very controversial, but I just feel if you're working for the government, you you swear by oath that you fo- you'll follow the law, and if you don't, then you have to move on with your life. Yeah, I... Uh... It's it is it it's an interesting story that's come up, and there's a lot of interest. I'm a very religious guy. Um, I I I believe that same sex marriage is a perversion of the very nature of human beings. There's some question to how much of a choice it is. I understand that, but I also am not so naive as to think that everything in our uh, society is not contributing to these people being the way they are. That being said, I, I do believe that it's a choice, and there's there's a lot of commentary and things that, that, that I believe in. That, that Science that will say otherwise, but um, With somebody like her, if I was in her position, as soon as the Supreme Court ruling came down and I knew that I would have to do something like this that violated my conscience um, and what I knew, what I know is right— and like she has to sign these marriage, like her name goes on these marriage licenses. I, I don't know if she physically signs them, but I know her name goes on these marriage licenses. If I couldn't do that, then it's time for me to resign because I'm working within this government system. If the government, in my mind, has corrupted to the point that I can't do what I'm supposed to do as my job, yes, I have to resign. That being said, it's interesting that she's being thrown in jail and things like that when people like the mayor of San Francisco um, has expressly gone against immigration law in allowing a city like San Francisco to become a sanctuary city for illegal aliens, um, and nobody talks about him having to resign. And, I mean, that's that's one example of, I mean, so many of the presidents we've had have broken and gone against law. Nobody calls for them to resign. You know, so I feel like there's a bit of a double standard uh, mm-hmm. that that's coming through. However, um, before this ever went down, I don't vote, for instance, because I have a religious objection to so much of what goes on 
in the society from a, from from the standpoint of the government. So I have never been uncomfortable with the idea of a a real Christian. And I th- I feel like this is the problem is we're flooded with a bunch of like fake Christians, people who call themselves Christians and then want to you know go on and behave like you said she's married four different times and kids X Y and Z number of times. That being said, you know being a hypocrite implies that you're going and continually doing it over and over and over again, which it, it, according to the story she's stopped and she's been clean for a little while. Um, but still, you know if you believe something's right. Just the thought of being called a hypocrite I don't think should keep you from doing something that's right. Do you know what I mean? Like something you or I think is right, um, we shouldn't not do it just because we're afraid that people are going to say, oh, well, you're a hypocrite. Now, at the end of the day, it's what I think is right. That's number one. I need – yes, I do need to get my own house in order. Do you know what I mean? But if I believe it's right, it's right. But I do tend to agree that she really shouldn't have been in that position anyway. She should have just quit, um, resigned, whatever. And it, everything that's going on wouldn't be going on. Um, that being said, I, I don't disagree with her not issuing the marriage licenses because, you know, like I said, I, I just don't agree. I don't think it's something that the government should be uh, sponsoring. But then again, I don't really agree with the idea of a marriage license at all. I don't think the government should be involved with issuing marriage licenses, period. So, that's you know, true. I mean, there's there's a lot of other elements and aspects to the story where I, I kind of have objections anyway. Um but yeah, I mean, I'm not going to run from the fact that I'm I'm not a supporter of of the homosexual marriage. Yeah, and um, she does bring up an interesting. The only interesting point she brings up, she said she would be totally fine with issuing these licenses if her name didn't appear on it, which I think is is some a compromise the the state or the government could potentially make is you know issue these licenses because it is now law, but just don't include the clerk's name directly on the license, which I think could be a compromise. Well, and it's it's difficult too because here you have the Supreme Court essentially saying that federal law supersedes state law because Kentucky state law still prohibits it, whereas mm-hmm. federal law allows it everywhere. And if you read some of the like Supreme Court Justice Scalia, as much as he's hated in the liberal and progressive party, like he wrote a big document why he objected and why one of the justices dissented from it. Um, and talks about just this isn't a constitutional issue, you know. Really, it's not a constitutional issue. And it's not something the Supreme Court should be seeing. Um, so it's it's such a huge issue. It's so broad, and you have so many people that get caught up in the emotion of the issue because they either know somebody who's trying to get married, they know uh, of somebody who's been slighted. You hear stories of just the just all kinds of different stories going both ways. That it's very like inflammatory, incendiary commentary going back and forth. Um, whereas, you know, I don't know. It's 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 a big story. But yeah, no, that's 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 Kim Kim Davis, right? That's her name. Mm-hmm. Um, my loser of the week, uh, I think we can both agree, is a more of a well, not more of a loser of the week, but is definitely unequivocally loser of the week. Um, Sacramento, California. Earlier this week, there were two guys who were driving around in their car, like guns broadcasting on Periscope while searching for a victim. Wow. Um, I didn't so hear they, about they, this, but they wow. Sort of, they sort of live broadcast the entire thing. Um, 
never ended up finding anybody who knows what would have happened if they had found somebody that they wanted to i don't know shoot or rob i don't really know what they were intending to do i didn't see the broadcast i saw the story afterward um they this was would have been a few days ago and the morning after they were arrested so the police found out who they were and <laughs> took them off the street and i guess said, look that's kind of terroristic threat i don't know what the what the criminal charges are i mean it's it's if there's a criminal charge for stupidity, yeah. But if you haven't actually done anything, I don't know what they can do. I mean, I guess you've declared intent to harm people. So I don't mm. know if there's like a general terroristic threat against society that you can be charged with. Um, but just dumb. Like, how, du- how dumb are you? Yeah, I don't have much to add to that. It's pretty stupid. <laughs> so that, that's my loser of the week. Yeah. So um, my winner of the week is actually a divorced couple. Which sounds very backwards and strange, considering I'm not a big fan of divorce. I, I would like couples to try to. Are you a fan to... of traditional marriage? That's the question. Uh, no, <laughs> I, I'm not going to get into that. But anyone should be able to get married. But anyways, um, I, I, I'm a believer that couples should try to work out their problems, especially when kids are involved. But you know, when it when it gets down to the point where things are just not re- resolvable, I also believe that you should kind of part your ways as nicely as possible. So there's this couple that, there's this viral image that's going around on Facebook. It's called the Divorce Selfie. Um, there's this couple, Shannon and Chris Newman, and they realized that, you know, their marriage was going in diff- different ways, but they didn't want to impact their kids. They didn't want to end on a bad note. So they went to the, the court, and when they got their divorce, they took a selfie with them both smiling, and they basically released this big, long statement saying, you know... We've, we've, we're going separate ways, but we're still going to remain very good friends because we want, when we go to our kids' play, we don't want the kid to look in one direction for the father, the other direction for the mother. We want their kids to look in the same place. We're going to be sitting beside each other. When you go to events, we're going to talk. We're going to have you know conversations. We're going to be friends. And it's an interesting thing because, again, divorce is a weird thing, and it's not something I want anyone to have to go through. But... If you're going to get divorced, at least try to end, you know, don't burn your bridges. Yeah. Remain friends with your or ex-significant other, especially if there are kids involved. Yeah, I, there, I've, thankfully I've never been through a divorce, but I've seen people go through it. My dad came from a divorced household and it does damage to the kids. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's just, you know, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. I don't know. I've never felt it. I don't know what exactly it does. I can only imagine growing up like with this continually broken household, you know, like going to mom's house, going to dad's house, like where is home, you know? Um, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know. My winner of the week is this whole Tom Brady and the NFL and deflate gate thing. I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming you've heard of it because everyone uh-huh. has. Um, it, it, I, despise Tom Brady and the New England Patriots and anybody who's listening who might be a Patriots fan don't hate me for it I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan and I'm I'm still mildly bitter about the fact that we lost the Super Bowl to you guys and I was getting okay with it until all the Spygate stuff came up and then all of a sudden all over again you have this fresh wound ripped open because it's like oh you were spying on the practices and plays and everything and that's how you beat Carolina and the Eagles um, in those back-to-back Super Bowls I don't know no denying they were a great team, but um, so I'm not a huge, I'm not a fan of of Tom Brady. That being said, they they're an amazing football team. Um, but the commissioner of the NFL is just a, a blockhead. Like I don't know how else to describe it. He's an idiot. Um, 
so with that out of the way, I was I was glad to see the judge. Well, I wasn't glad to see a judge presiding over this because it's we're talking it about. Have- the pressure of air in footballs. You want to talk about something that shouldn't be in a court? Uh, it this shouldn't, shouldn't even, be in a no, court. No, it shouldn't have. Right. No. But the ju- it was interesting that the judge pointed out, um, you know, and, and ruled in, in Tom Brady's favor, um, basically saying, look, you've done a crappy job laying out this evidence. You have no proof. You didn't tell him how much, uh, how much of a suspension he would get. I mean, to put things in perspective, a four-game suspension for this, and I understand you're talking about tampering with the integrity of the game, but he got the same suspension as a guy that beat the living daylights out of his girlfriend, threw her into a, pl- a pile of guns, and said that he was going to kill her, right? Um, so, you know, a four-game suspension is what the NFL was trying to give him. If you really mm-hmm. believe he was tampering with the integrity of the game, it, like Pete Rose in baseball, he gambled on baseball while he was playing. He got banned from the game for life. Yep. If you're tampering with the integrity of the game, you and the coach should be kicked out. I don't yep. know if for life, but at least for a year. Um, so it, it just seemed like shady all along to see the judge come down and say, look, Goodell, you've messed this up. You know, this is not being ruled in your favor. I felt like it was a little bit of justice, um, meted out in, in that respect. But as far as going to the judge, um, like the, the NFL players association has agreed to give the commissioner of the NFL, Roger Goodell, sole authority to preside over cases like this. And now they have an issue with it. So they take it to court. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you should be working with the union to, you know, restructure this contract or deal in some way, shape, or form. That's what should actually be done. But the problem is they were looking at a four-game suspension, and the season starts next week. So, you know, you're not going to get through all of that legal, legal mumbo-jumbo in time to start the season. So I can kind of understand why they pressed and went to court. Um, but I don't know. I just had to throw that in there as a winner of the week because it was just a, an interesting and funny story. And, I, you know, despite the fact that I hated seeing it go before a judge, I like the fact that the judge followed due process and was just honest about it. And this was a judge that the NFL picked, not Tom Brady and his side. The NFL picked this judge. They denied the judge that Tom Brady wanted, who, who they thought was going to give him a favorable ruling. And this hmm. judge said, look, I'm, I'm going to be fair about it. And, you know, when, when you have a judge, you can just put all the personal crap to the side and judge the matter at hand that's a pretty admirable characteristic uh because that's very very difficult to do yeah i heard about this story i don't know i don't follow football very much um so i don't really have i'm not in favor of one way or another whether he gets suspended or not but like you said the fact that this even got to the point where it's in front of a federal judge or whatever kind of judge it was is the most ridiculous thing a sporting thing whatever it this is classified under there should be like a committee within the nfl maybe even above the NFL. there's no way a judge should be getting involved in this that's just ridiculous you're you're talking about the potential of some footballs being deflated beyond (laughs) the legal limit yeah you're now standing in a district court or wherever they are no it's probably higher than a district court a circuit court or something i'm sure they Um, had better things to deal with (laughs) right i I can only imagine Mm. so well i guess that uh that about wraps up. That was a long winners and losers of the week this week. It was. Um, but yeah, that'll about wrap it up this week. Uh, anything final, final thoughts to add, Howard? Final Not really. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud and iTunes and all that fun stuff. And next week will be episode number 20. Uh, no, number 30. 30. The big 3-0. I know. Ooh. I was thinking about that because it feels like we were just at episode 20. And before we know it, we'll be at episode 50. Mm, that'll be exciting. <laughs> so that's it, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out with us and following along. 
Again, like Howard said, follow us on Twitter. Check out soundcloud.com slash WeGeeks for the podcast. And make sure you tune in next week, next Friday, for the next edition of the WeGeeks podcast. See you guys later. See ya. See ya.